Calls. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Ocean Calls, the Euronews podcast for friends of the sea. I'm your host, Euronews science reporter Jeremy Wilkes. In our first episode, we discussed the rapid changes underway in Greenland. And coming up later in this series, we're listening to underwater noises, both good and bad, and debating the real impact of marine protected areas. Today, though, we'll kick off with a few movie cliches. Yes, in this episode, we're talking about sharks, the predators the film industry loves to hate. Much maligned by the movie makers, these magnificent animals deserve our attention. Many species of shark are in danger because of human activity, and we really need them for our ecosystems to survive and thrive. So should we change our way of thinking about sharks? Should we be worrying about them a little more than we do? To debate the issue, I'm joined by my two guests, Dr. Iris Ziegler from the conservation organization Shark Project. Hello, Iris. Hello. Hello. Nice to see you. And Javier Garrett Perez, Secretary General of CAPESCA, the Spanish Fishing Confederation and President of Europesh, the European fishing industry's representation in Brussels. Hello, Javier. Hello. Thank you for the invitation. And at the end of the episode, as usual, you'll hear from a famous person telling us all about their favourite ocean animal or favourite ocean experience. In this episode, we've invited Australian diver and filmmaker Madison Stewart. Let me just go back to how I, the things I was talking about in my introduction. We often think about sharks with these kinds of stereotypes of these ferocious animals. Um, Iris, what are the unfair shark stereotypes out there? Well, there's, of course, the old story, the old image of the man-eating monster luring out in the water, waiting to eat people. I actually enjoy swimming besides sharks, and sharks are the only predators you really can get as close and you don't have to worry about. What, what are they like? What's, what, are their, what are these creatures like when you're next to them? What's their behavior like? Actually, sharks are the most fascinating creatures uh, to, to swim, to dive with. I wouldn't want to get as close as three meters to a lion in the wilderness. Being out with big predators like a tiger shark or blue sharks or uh, mako sharks in the ocean is not a problem at all. And I've just came back from a dive trip diving with um, fresher sharks. I mean, those are the most... Uh, adorable creatures when they look at you with their big eyes and they just check you out. Uh, Javier, can I get some of your experience on this? Yeah, well, I, I, I'm, I'm not uh, an expert diving, so I don't have that experience. But you, you have also to consider this in, in another way. Uh, as, as fishermen, uh, we see it as food. And this is something that maybe Iris, uh, with, uh, with her explanations, and, and this, is, this happens uh, they are trying to put uh, these uh, creatures, like lovely creatures, like uh, dolphins or like f a flipper or Nemo, 
Walt Disney movies uh, to attract uh, uh, the people, the citizens, and, and look at them not as food, but as a uh, as, as lovely creature that we have to, to take care of. We think that we need, of course, to take care of uh, sharks and, and uh, properly manage the different species that uh, we target. And to, we have to protect those who are vulnerable. That's why we already in 2009, so that means a long time ago, we forbid uh, the catches of uh, threshers or hammerheads or, or, or white uh, sharks, uh, poor beagles, so oceanic tip, uh, wet tip uh, shark. Different, different species are already forbidden for, for our catches, for our fishermen, because uh, we agree with scientists, with, uh, with the governments, and with some NGOs that uh, they were vulnerable and they needed to be protected. But others, like blue shark, uh, we think that uh, we need to manage them uh, properly. And we are doing that. You talked about eating them. Uh, I think I'm, I've probably had some shark in the past. Um, is it something that people in Europe actually eat quite a lot? Yes, yes. And this is something that maybe people uh, don't know. In Spain, in Italy, in Greece, but also in, in America and several countries, there is a good market. And, and, and it's, it's important because uh, it's part of our tradition, our culture, our, our gastronomy. It has a lot of nutritional uh, properties, a lot of vitamins. Uh, it's, it's practically free of fat. It increases fertility, helps uh, your eyes, take care of the defenses of, of people. It's, it's good for delicate stomachs. It has no bones. So, and, and the price is good. It, it's affordable for all types of, of pockets. So, uh, species like like blue shark it are very popular in, in 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 several countries of course in spain where i come from and and we eat it uh, it's it's called marinated uh, shark it's very popular or or grilled uh, shark it's very popular and, and and it's very nice i recommend you to to eat it it's very good iris can i bring you in on this one do you eat shark uh, well, obviously not. I kind of knew the answer to the question, but I needed to ask it. <laughs> yes, of course. But there are several reasons for it. And I have to disagree with Zava on that. Uh, eating shark is anything but healthy. And there is again and again studies uh, showing how contaminated shark meat can be. And I mean, it's fairly simple to understand. We are eating a top predator. Uh, compared to other fish species, long-living species that accumulates all the all the garbage in a, a way that is now in our oceans. So it's uh, heavy metals, it's uh, microplastic, it's uh, hormones. It's that's that's not just unique to shark, though, right? Tuna is going to have that stuff in it too, isn't it? Yes, of course, every creature in the ocean. But the older, I mean, we, we've in, got that stuff in it oh, inside yeah, us absolutely. already. But yeah. the longer. Um, animal lives, the higher up in the food chain it is, the more it will accumulate. And obviously, sharks being the top predators, being on the top of the food chain, they are accumulating most. It, it is correct that uh, as top predators, they, they, they have more, for instance, melting mercury than other species. That's a reality. But what we have as consumers to do is to follow what uh, the European Union says, is that uh, if you are a woman who is pregnant or you have child between uh, zero and uh, I think it was eight years old, uh, try to avoid those, those species. If you are not, just eat it. 
Did you know that there are about 200 fishing vessels in Europe targeting blue sharks and catching shortfin mako sharks as bycatch? Around 170 of those boats are Spanish, and the rest are Portuguese. Can we move on a little bit from eating sharks? I suppose people can make up their own minds about eating it. But can we talk about the role, their role in the ecosystem? Because, as you've said, they're top predators. Why are they important? Well, they are absolutely essential for our marine ecosystems. So they are like the lines. And they have a, a really vital role to keep the checks and balances to make sure that the next level, the smaller predators, are not going to be too many, uh, that old and sick animals are going to be removed out of the uh, the ecosystem so diseases can't spread, and uh, really making sure that the balances are kept because then they would uh, basically hunt down their food supplies. Look at Serengeti. If we kill all the lions, then all the antelopes would have a happy, a happy party but only for a while because then they would eat up all the grass and what is left behind is only desert. And in a very simplified way, and of course things are more complicated in the ocean, uh, this is what happens if we take away the top predators. Um, Javier, what is the situation now regarding shark populations around Europe? Uh, Let me say first that I agree with Iris. They are essential. That's why we need uh, either to protect them or to manage properly. And, and concerning what's going on in the European Union, uh, we really only target uh, blue shark with our lone liners, and we fish it uh, in, in the different oceans. And the reality of blue shark, according to the, the scientific committees of the regional fisheries management organizations, all the scenarios indicate that the stocks are not overfished and that overfishing is not occurring. So it is not endangered by fishing or, or trade. For other species that are like uh, threshers or hammerheads, our European Union fleet don't fish those species because it's forbidden. And we agreed on that because we realized that they were very vulnerable. So we have shown as industry that we are responsible and that uh, when something, some species needs to be really protected, we are really to accept that. I, I really get mad with this because uh, uh, when, when talking about sharks, uh, NGOs, always put uh, Spain as, as the bad uh, players because we have reported all the catches, but all the countries, Asian countries, they have not reported at all. So in the, in the statistics, of course, Spain, it's up because we are reporting everything since the 90s and it's not the, it's not the same. So Surely that are... sounds quite logical, doesn't it, uh, uh, Iris? That sounds quite logical, doesn't it? Oh, well, I have a lot of uh, topics to address here and uh, really... And Xavafile, I agree with you uh, on several points, like that blue sharks are less vulnerable to overfishing than other shark species. But I think it's uh, important to make a few differentiations here. Uh, First of all, uh, we are not an NGO that says you shouldn't fish sharks at all. But what we clearly say, and this is where I heavily disagree with you, if sharks are fish, they need to be managed properly. And while you've been saying that they are managed and that they are doing fine, well, they're not managed. The other thing, and this is important to note, is uh, we are not just talking about sharks that you are targeting, which is the blue sharks, but it is the bycatch 
And Mako shark, for example, has always been called a bycatch, but a massive bycatch. And that is a vulnerable shark. The fishing gear you use is so unselective, it will hook any shark, which then die like turtles and seabirds and whatever. Sharks are in a crisis, and we are losing sharks. And there are so many scientific papers now demonstrating how many sharks globally we've already lost. But we, we are making progress on this. This CITES International Agreement on Trade in Wild Species that dates from many decades ago, that, that changed last year to bring in a new conservation um, effort to try and look after specific groups of sharks, hammerhead sharks and requiem sharks, right? Well, actually, CITES is not protecting the sharks per se. CITES is protecting species from overexploitation by international trade. So CITES is not changing anything on the water in the first instance. That CITES is very powerful, we've seen in the example of Mako shark last year, uh, because Mako shark's been listed by CITES already in 2017. And finally, last year and the year before, so in 2021 and 2022, we finally got measures agreed for on-the-water changes that Mako shark has to have real management or in the future real management. Um, Javier, can I bring you in a bit on this, actually? Uh, what actually changed with this deal that was made last year? Yeah, so well, far, nothing. <laughs> no, well, first of all, I probably Iris don't know, but uh, since already 2010, uh, Spain was promoting management measures of for Shofi, Meko and Blue Shark in, in the different RFMOs. Uh, just quickly, for, for those who don't know, what's an RFMO? Sorry, sorry. G- Regional Fisheries Management Organizations, the international bodies that manage the fish stocks, like uh, highly migratory species, in the different oceans. And uh, concerning CITES, uh, well, first of all, as, as Iris was saying, this is, this is a convention related to trade and uh, for endangered species. It was created a long time ago to protect lions, elephants, uh, this type yes. of, of, yeah. of species. And uh, since already a few years ago, uh, sharks were included in some of the appendices on, on the list. And uh, what's the reality of this? Is that uh, uh, the only thing that happens is that it creates a lot of problems to those fishermen who do uh, uh, the responsible fishing and declare everything, and uh, it creates a lot of bureaucracy. For those who are doing illegal things, normally doesn't matter because they will keep doing illegal things. So it, it creates it creates a lot of bureaucracy, and that's the reality. How, how long before it starts to have an impact, for example, on the short fin mako shark? How, how long before that population would start to recover? This is a very good question, and this is the, the, the drama, really, with the sharks. Even if we stop having fishing-induced mortality, it will take at least 50 years before this stock in the North Atlantic of short fin mako will recover to a level at which it can be fished sustainably again. Is, is it the case that we're bringing in the kinds of rules that would work for fish which have a very sh- short turnaround in terms of their life cycle? We're applying those kinds of rules to sharks which have a very long life cycle. Well, they do apply, but of course they need to be modified. 
you have to start earlier, that you have to be more cautious and that you have to have uh, higher probabilities for the recovery because there's more uncertainty with the long life cycle. But the rules are the same. I mean, you can't fish more than nature can reproduce. Okay, can I bring in Javier yeah, on this? Yeah, yeah. Jeremy, I, I agree with Harry that uh, we, need to, we need to manage properly the, the, the stocks that we catch. We need to dedicate more uh, funds for science uh, to have the, the best possible uh, scientific evaluations and, and recommendations. And then we need uh, funds for the regional fisheries management organizations to take the right decisions. And we completely agree with that. Can I bring in the question of finning? Shark fins, we know that they're sold to um, Asia and they're used for to make shark fin soup, for example, which is highly prized, it seems. We're in January this year, we had a citizens' initiative called Stop Finning, Stop the Trade that was delivered to the European Parliament. 1.2 million signatures, I think, on there, and they have until July to respond. Javi, what's your view on that? Um, how effective might that be? How important is it? How significant is it? Yeah. Well, first of all, finning was forbidden in the European Union already in 2003, so 20 years ago. And... Uh, we don't do finning. We sell the bodies, the carcasses, uh, because we eat it, and I say it's very good. And we also uh, sell the fins. We also sell the skin. We use almost everything from the shark. It's like the pig in, in, in Earth. In 2013, was approved uh, what is called the fins attached policy. That means that uh, the fishermen cannot process, as we do with, with cod or with, with uh, hake or with other species, we cannot process on board the sharks, but uh, we can only give a little cut to the fins to, to attach to the, to the bodies. And then we have to land them in, in harbor and then we have to process them on board. So it's impossible to do finning uh, with the European Union regulation. Iris, can I, can I bring you in on, on this? <laughs> well, um... Xafa is absolutely right. The fins naturally attached uh, regulation in the EU is one of the most stringent ones because it doesn't allow for exceptions. I would disagree that it's impossible because again and again, there is boats, also Spanish boats, uh, stopped and reported that have had fins on board. Uh, so it's not impossible, but I fully agree that this is the most powerful, the most effective measure at sea. However, this, um, this uh, initiative really targets the trade. And what it wants is really that all trading of detached fins is uh, considered to be illegal. The trade is really something we can control much better than at sea, where we have little uh, independent observation going on. And if you have detached fins, it's almost impossible for somebody not knowledgeable and with dealing with high volumes to identify, is that a fin from a CITES-protected species and it doesn't have to write papers? Or is it a fin uh, that's been legally harvested uh, with uh, cutting only at board? So this is impossible to follow up. And that's why it's really important to have this trade ban. Uh, Jeremy, behind this initiative, what we see is that uh, what is really behind is that they, they want to the prohibition of, of catching sharks. Uh, because uh, if if that happens, as Iris was saying, then it will be impossible 
to make profitable the activity. What we do, uh, since uh, we have the fins attached policy in 2013 in the European Union, is that we catch them, we cut a little bit the, the fin, we land the, the, the shark, we process it on land, and then uh, we send the bodies to the markets where the bodies are sold, either Europe or, or, or America, uh, mainly those, those countries, and the fins uh, are sent to, to Asia because the, the market is there. If we have to send everything together, then there will be no uh, profitability in, in our activity and then it, it will not be possible to do it. What would actually happen if, the, if you did actually ban fishing of sharks? Actually, would we end up with thriving shark populations everywhere and perhaps end up with far too many sharks and suddenly feel the need to reintroduce some fishing? No, no, no. This I, I strongly disagree with. Uh, if we would completely stop the targeted exploitation of sharks, like the targeted fishing, first of all, it would not cause uh, sharks like thriving, as you said, having too many, because something we should keep in mind is we've already lost, and just over the last 50 years, more than 70% in biomass, in abundance, of sharks, of uh, pelagic sharks in the high seas. There's an absolutely need, an urgency, and as I said, they are in a crisis. If this doesn't stop, like, immediately, we will lose these shark stocks. We will lose the sharks forever. Javier, can, can I bring you in? Do, do you agree with this use of this, of this term, crisis? No, there, there is a crisis in, in several species, but that's why I think it's so important not to generalize. If we talk about... Blue shark, I don't really consider that it's a crisis. Uh, if we talk about other species, yes, they are in crisis and that's why they need to be protected. We need a balance between the, the conservation of biodiversity and the species, the sustainable use of the natural resources and food security. We need a mix. Did you know that sharks have a special organs to sense electromagnetic fields and temperature changes in the ocean? They are the small black spots near their nose, eyes, and mouth. Imagine you are in the room and it's just one-to-one -one and you're there with the commissioner responsible for fisheries. Iris, what would you say the one thing that you need to see happen now to look after sharks and to help them? The most important thing is that we have effective management measures for all shark species including harvest control rules, harvest strategies, rebuilding plans. And together with that, we need to change fishing gear to be more selective in order to only catch the species we are targeting and not having massive bycatch. Javier, same question to you. One-to-one, uh, one, it's total confidence. Nobody yeah. else is listening. What do you say? I will start uh, more or less the same as Iris. We need harvest control rules. We need the management measures for all the sharks all over the world. We agree with that. And I will also tell him, but uh, consider that uh, sustainability is, uh, is uh, it has three legs. One of them is environment, but there we also have social and economic. And we need a balance between the three. So let's take the best possible measures to continue uh, with uh, sharks forever, but also with fishermen. Final question. We know sharks have been around for 450 million years. What do you see in the future for, let's say, the next 50 years for shark populations? Well, actually, if we don't change things immediately and dramatically, we will lose 
the biggest portion, more than 30% of all known shark and ray species, are at the moment at the risk of going extinct within the next few decades. And three quarters of oceanic shark species, uh, they are already threatened, critically endangered, endangered or vulnerable, which means they are at high risk of going extinct. So they won't be there forever if we don't act now. I think in the European Union, we are doing the right thing. We are doing much more thing than others in the world. And, and we must be proud of our fishermen in, in, in the European Union. But the problem is that as we report everything, as we send all the information, and, and uh, we are there. And, and people are looking at us because we provide that information. And, and others don't. So let's look for other countries, mainly Asian countries, some uh, coastal American countries, to provide also those data, those information, and, and improve as much as possible the management of these stocks. I'm going to wrap it up there. Thank you very much. It's been fascinating talking to both of you about this. Thank you very much. Thank you. It's been lovely talking to you. Enjoy eating seafood. You will be happier. <laughs> Take care. Now, moving on from the political debate around sharks, let's hear from an out-and-out shark lover who goes by the name of Shark Girl Madison. She's an Australian filmmaker, founder of the Project Hugh Foundation, received the Peter Benchley Youth Conservation Award and was named Australian Geographic Society Young Conservationist of the Year. Here's Madison Stewart with the story of her ocean favourite. My name is Madison Stewart. My favourite marine species and the best thing I've ever been in the water with is definitely sharks. So my favourite thing about sharks was always that they were the monsters in everybody's story. But the more I got to know them, the more it was like this amazing realisation that they just are last dinosaurs and they're such cool animals. So I grew up diving with them, had lots of really cool encounters and they've always been my favourite animal. So when I was starting diving with sharks, I wasn't old enough to think about the dangers of it, but my parents were. My dad, there were so many things he wouldn't let me do. He wouldn't let me ride a push bike because he was worried I'd get hit by a car. He wouldn't let me do all sorts of things because of his fear of humans. But he did let me go in the water with sharks. And he always taught me to trust nature and to respect it, but also to recognize that it's far less dangerous than fellow humans. And that sounds crazy, but he was 100% right. I have felt threatened by humans, but never by sharks. I'll never forget the first time that I was scuba diving with sharks and kind of got the closest I've ever been to a shark. It was my 12th birthday. I had just become a certified scuba diver and it was in Australia. And I was in the water with grey nurse sharks, which are a critically endangered species in Australia because they were hunted to near extinction in the 70s just because of how vicious they look. But they're actually not a dangerous species of shark. So picture the grumpy grandpa of the shark world. That's what grey nurse looked like. They have these protruding sharp teeth, like hundreds of sharp teeth, and they kind of swim around with their mouths a little bit open so you can see them. It was the most amazing dive. It was really eerie, you know, dark light, and I was in the water, and I just remember these two sharks in front of me, and I will never forget it. And they just kind of 
floated and hovered in the water. You know, they're such masters of their environment. And I was like this little thing with this giant tank on my back and I was just sitting on the floor like watching them. I felt like I had been accepted by the gods of the ocean, being able to be that close to them. And it was one of the coolest experiences of my life. We still want to acknowledge that sharks are dangerous, but a big part of it is just making people realize that not all sharks are bloodthirsty, mindless killers that are going to come eat you and that most attacks can be avoided with the right information. To someone that is really, really afraid of sharks, I would say that that fear is totally okay, but don't let that fear impact sharks. Don't let it stop you from being an advocate for sharks because they need people on their side. And if one day you would like to meet them in the ocean, there's plenty of ways that you can do that and still be safe. And it might just be the best thing you've ever done. Our thanks to Madison Stewart for that wonderful tale of diving with sharks. As she says, we should be careful around sharks, follow advice and take precautions. Shark attacks are rare. On average, there are 70 to 100 shark attacks per year, with 5 to 15 of them proving fatal. Recently, a 59-year-old man died from a shark attack in the French Pacific Territory of New Caledonia, and a 16-year-old woman died after being attacked by a shark near Perth, Western Australia, in February. The Ocean Calls podcast is created by ocean lovers here at Euronews for ocean fans around the world. I'm your host, Euronews science reporter Jeremy Wilkes, and this series is produced by my colleagues Naira Dablashian and Natalia Olsner. The theme music is by Gabrielle Dalmasso. Our editor-in-chief is Sophie Claude. We have links to follow our guests Iris Ziegler, Javier Garrett-Perez and Madison Stewart in the podcast description. In this episode... We used extracts from the films Jaws and The Shallows. You can listen to Ocean Calls on Apple, Spotify, CastBox or anywhere you listen to your podcasts. And you can check out another Euronews podcast called The Star Ingredient where African chefs share tasty recipes and discuss biodiversity and sustainable agriculture. The Ocean Calls podcast is made possible by the European Commission's Directorate General for Maritime Affairs and Fisheries. For more information, go to our website, euronews.com. And while you're there, please have a look at Ocean, our sister TV series made by our friend and colleague Dennis Loctier on euronews.com slash ocean. Follow world news from a European perspective on euronews.com.